Blog Talk Radio. There's a direct relationship between having the businesses and being in prison. Go find an Asian, see how many Asians you can find in American prisons. You ain't going to be in there. But 51% of your prison will be black because you don't black go having the businesses and industries. There's a direct link. Blacks won't practice group economics. Black won't practice group politics. If you don't practice, you're setting yourself up. I told that five-story building, you're setting yourself to get wiped out. Understand the nature of race, which is economics. If you, if you build the first floor, it's economic. Build your businesses and your industries. Control business and industry and put that pools in your money and hold that money and, it's a, and practice group economics <clears throat> with it. Arab and Asian money bounces 12 or 13 times for at least. Jewish money bounces 18 times. Black folk got to learn how to practice group economics. Black Americans spend every penny they get outside of their own community. Then you take the money and the wealth that you get from that first floor and go to the second floor. The second floor is politics. You then take that money on the first floor and you control your politics. Black folk must quit allowing people to tell them to go out and vote. Vote for what? Nobody's going to do anything for black folk in politics. Politics is controlled by money. Major corporations who got the money. That's what controls politics. If you have no money, you have no say-so, you have no benefits coming. So you take your money and you control and you take your money on the first floor. You buy every politician on the second floor. And any politician you can't buy, you rent or lease them. To get what you need. Then once you get the second floor under control with the politician with your money, then you go to the third floor. The third floor is then is the police department and the court system. You take your money from the first floor and your politics on the second floor, and you control the court system and the police departments. Then the fourth floor, the fourth floor then is media. You then take the money that you generate off the first floor from business and industries, <clears throat> and you go after radio stations, TV stations, newspapers, and cable systems so that you can now inform and communicate with your own people. Right now, <clears throat> black folk only control less than 35 thousandths of 1% of the media in the United States. Out of 12,000 radio stations, black folk own about something like about 75 or 80. That's all. You own no cable systems. You don't have a daily newspaper. You have nothing of importance. You, don't, you got about one black TV station. And you, so you can't communicate with your people, you can't inform your people. You can't do anything. You can have Rush Limbaugh and all the rest of the guys talking about racism all day long and bad-mouthing you. And O'Reilly, they can talk, call black folk all kind of names all day long. What are you going to do? You can't respond. You can't even communicate with your own people because you, you don't have an economic base. 51% of all the prisoners in the United States are black people. You know, you know you only make up 12% of the population. That's no accident. It's because you don't control the economics and the politics. And they're going to go after the weakest people they can get their hands on to incarcerate them. That's the black folk. And what are you going to do in response to them when they, when they, when they over-incarcerate you? You're going to go out and have a march, a demonstration. We're going to march. March for what? Who cares? Marches they never changed anything. Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Jimmy. I guess you can call me Jimmy the Tramp. Because I'm homeless. I'm living in my car. I'm 48 years old. And... Um, I've been living this way only for a couple weeks now, thankfully. Uh, but my troubles started uh, well, a long time ago. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll be telling you everything about myself, um, how I got to the situation that I'm in, and how I'm going to get myself out of it, and uh, where I'm going to go from here as it all happens. Um, I'm starting this channel to 
give myself something to do, keep myself occupied, um, so I don't get too damn depressed. It's depressing uh, living in your car, to say the least. Um, but a little background, um, I'm in New Mexico right now. I'm here because uh, my ex-wife lives here with my two daughters. I have two kids, one's 16 and one's 13, which I love them both dearly. Um, we had moved here in 2007 from California. Um, don't want to get too much into that right now since this is just an introduction video. Uh, to, to make a, uh, to sum up kind of how I got where I am really quick, uh, I had a car accident. I was on the freeway. Uh, I was coming home from work. Um, I was working in the oil fields. I worked two weeks on. I'd had one week off. It was the day before Thanksgiving and coming home from my week off and um, someone rear-ended me. Um, Everyone slammed on their brakes on the freeway, and I was basically almost stopped, maybe two, three miles an hour I was moving. And the guy that was behind me hit me almost full speed, uh, around 70 miles an hour. I ended up having surgery on my back. I had something called a laminectomy, or they cut off the bone off of uh, three of uh, vertebra in my lower back. But I had a lot of problems I still have. I mean, I'm screwed for life, basically. I had herniated discs in my neck and in my lower back, and I've never been the same since. Even after the surgery, um, my career in the oil field, obviously, has come to an end. My heavy lifting days are over. But I'll get to a, a lot of that stuff uh, in later videos, um, so I'm just kind of introducing myself kind of one of the reasons how I got to the point where I'm at now living in my car um, so I'm gonna take you through my uh, daily life what what it's like to live on the streets and live in a car in case you've never done it before I put an ad on Craigslist last night uh, in Albuquerque and uh, I got a number of responses from people and they were all positive which you know, I really kind of appreciated. I knew that um, the, the ad that I put up was just saying basically, hey, I'm I'm homeless. I'm living in my car. I'm alone, uh, and I'm lonely. I wanted somebody to talk to, and I got a number of uh, emails which I appreciated getting from everybody, and they were all positive. Or other people telling me about their experiences, uh, having been homeless or going through tough situations, and uh, I, I was kind of surprised because I thought, yeah, I'm probably going to get a bunch of trolls that are going to, you know, come talk shit. And even making these videos, I know that's very possible, and I'm sure it will happen. Someone's going to come along and just got to say something. Whatever. I'm trying to stay positive, and I'm going to get myself out of this. Um, once you guys know, too, right off the bat, I'm not in this situation because I'm a drug addict or alcoholic, I'm not doing dope, I'm not drinking, I do like to have a drink, but uh, that is definitely not the reason why I'm here, um, all my things right now, I moved out of my house um, that I was renting uh, at the beginning of June, and I put all my stuff into a couple storage units, and um, 
which the rent is coming up due soon and I don't have the money to pay it. <laughs> anyway, so what I'm going to do today is I am going to do what I do every day. I'm going to go over to the library. I'm going to upload this video to YouTube, my first video. And I'm going to um, search for a job like I do every day. I spend all day there uh, applying for jobs and, you know, take a little time off to surf the net. But um, then later tonight when it gets dark, I'll go find my dark, quiet spot to park my car and uh, go to sleep. <clears throat> I don't know if I'll make another video today. I'll probably, I might start tomorrow and uh, show you my daily routine anyway so I, I hope everybody that's watching will <clears throat> you know have something positive to say uh, I mean I don't know what you can say you really don't know me yet but I'm going to be making these videos um, it's, uh, it's something I like to do I've got the camera so why not Anyways, so thanks for watching, and uh, check back soon. I'm definitely going to be posting these daily. Um, so like I say, you can get to know me, how I got here, how I'm going to get myself out of this situation, and where I'm going to go from here. So thanks for watching. Imagine living in a space that measures a mere 168 square feet, more than 14 times smaller than the average American home. Well, it is here inside this tiny house where the proud owners are discovering that less is so much more. Well, in the past year, we've managed to save everything that I earn. We use my husband's income for our living expenses and um, I've been teaching public school, so that's about $3,000 a month that we've put in the bank this year. Hari, her husband Carl, and their two young kids, Archer and Ella, recently celebrated their one-year anniversary in their tiny house. After losing their 1,500-square-foot home to financial struggles, the couple took matters into their own hands, literally. They built this space themselves with just $13,000 in materials. Their goal? To become debt-free and save enough to one day build a new home, mortgage-free. And so far, they're right on track. Things are going really well with the uh, next project. Uh, we're going to build a 16 by 24 uh, unit to begin with, and then we'll branch off of that and add bedrooms. You may remember seeing this family on The Anderson Show earlier this year where I joined them on stage. Fascinated by their story, our financially fit team flew down to Virginia to see for ourselves and learn ways we can all downsize. How are you? Hey, really good. good. You. Hey there. <laughs> Living in the tiny house has, has taught me that we don't need much at all to be happy and that um, getting the things that we need can actually be a lot of fun. Can you get me a bowl and some scissors? The family's fruit and vegetable garden lets them eat healthier, cut down on their carbon footprint, and slash their grocery bill by as much as 30%. Hari has also been upcycling, as she calls it, taking something old and breathing new life into it. My favorite upcycling project was the rugs I made for the house. I took old sheets, flat sheets, and crocheted them into rugs. They're beautiful, and they fit the house a lot nicer than if we had gone and bought something new from the store. The couple also recently switched jobs, not for more money, but more happiness. 
Carl is enjoying better working conditions at a new restaurant, and Hari left teaching to pursue a career in nonprofit. Being able to afford a career that you love and pursuing a passion rather than a paycheck, they've learned, is just an added benefit to having savings and no debt. I'm probably taking a 25 to 30 percent cut in my salary, which is going to enable me to have more time to actually build the house and save money because I'll be the contractor. It's really a great feeling to be able to make a decision like that, not based on money, but based on what we want to be doing with our time. The kids also seem keen to the transition. Mom and Dad are happy to report fewer requests for video games or toys now that Ella and Archer are busy playing outdoors on their three-acre property. Uh, we play down by the creek and up at the big tree up there where the swing is. We play with our neighbors and ride bikes. There's a lot of different things they can do with their time besides play with plastic toys and get online. They've really just embraced it wholeheartedly. You, you can't stop them from having a good time outside. Still another lesson, when you downsize, it helps to have a support system. There's such a wealth of knowledge in our community and that helps us a lot. And having that support makes it um, like we're doing it together. Moving to the country has given us a, a lot of things, not just the tiny house. So what do you think? What are your thoughts about living in a tiny house? Would you ever do it? Connect with me on Twitter at Farnoosh and use the hashtag FinFit. For Yahoo Finance, I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. All right, today's uh, podcast is titled Housing Plans for the Homeless. Housing Plans for the Homeless. And matter of fact, uh, tomorrow we'll have a guest in. He's been here before. Uh, tomorrow's podcast is Housing Plans for Reentry People. People out of jail and prison, or maybe you could be from the homeless population, you're reentering society, and then for Friday it could be homeless uh, plans for single women or what have you. But it, housing plans is the operative word. Uh, we've all heard of business plans. You know, when you start a business, you have a you know a business plan to give you some direction on which you want to go. But you know what? Most people don't have a housing plan. I mean, a formally written one-page housing plan, and that's why people might end up in dire straits because they didn't have a they didn't have a housing plan. So today um, we're just doing a brief housing plan for the homeless six one nine seven six eight two nine four five. First thing, now I'm just throwing out some information because you're going to hear this repeatedly when it comes to housing plans. Is you. 50% of successful housing, in my opinion, and observation, depends on where geography. It depends on where you live. Particularly, is it affordable? Can you, can, can you live a sustainable lifestyle with the roof over your head where you are? Matter of fact, the whole Western Hemisphere is really people coming to a place where it was sustainable. So you think about it. Think about the you know the primary conquerors of the Western Hemisphere. Geographically speaking, now as well as then, it's small places. 
that were like really crowded. England. England's not that big. Matter of fact, the whole United Kingdom's not that big. But England's not that big. And one of the penal colonies of England is now, I mean, Georgia started out as a penal colony for England. That's how many people they locked up. Okay. Australia, which is a, a nation continent. I mean, it's a continent. Which is also that was another penal colony for tiny old little England, a small little England. Right now, it's almost tiny though. All right, so England, Portugal, Spain, France—that's it. Because they're matter of fact, you know what? And we, we'll have to do another podcast on this, but. Um. Particularly when, oh, you know, let's look up how many European countries are there. Um, let's see how how many European countries. Okay, let me uh, get the answer right quick. Um, all right, the continent of Europe is divided into 50 countries. All right, now, so out of those 50 countries in, in Europe, you got England, and we're talking about that came into the Western Hemisphere, England, France, Spain, England, France, Spain, Portugal, um, and I think you have, um, to a small degree with Greenland, uh, Denmark, and those, correct me if I'm wrong, people, call in, press one. Out of the 50 countries in uh, Europe that make up Europe, those five primary colonizers of the Western Hemisphere, England, France, Spain, Portugal, uh, and then, like I say, Denmark's got Greenland or had Greenland. Five out of 50, so that's what, 10%. We're going to do a separate podcast on this one day, too, because... It amazes me as mind-boggling when, particularly when some people try to group white, all white people eat evil. And we're talking about there are 50 European countries, and you got five that call, you know, that participate in colonization. That means 90 percent, you know, because you don't hear anything about Austrians and um, people like that. Um, Norway, Sweden, Finland, different people, different cultures, different histories. You just can't lump me all in like that. But anyway, that's a separate podcast. So anyway, so we're talking about, uh, and, and look at the places. England's not that big, geographically speaking. Portugal 
it's not that big geographically speaking. France and Spain are really not those, they're really not that big. So we're talking about places where, and all those places have plenty of rural areas, even to this day. But we're talking about places that had cities that are very old, London, Paris, you know, all that, where it had a whole lot of people. And, of course, you know, the more people you have in a particular area, the law of supply and demand comes in and you have to have things regulated. So, in your housing plan, housing plan for the homeless or anybody else, the first thing, because 50%, if you have any issues, 50% of your problem is you're in the wrong, staying on the wrong real estate. So, there are eight, eight distinctions of cities, eight eight distinctions, and <clears throat> let's call them classifications. Eight classifications. Now I've gone through this before, but I'm gonna go through them again. What's the first thing you need to do with your housing plan? A first class city, and all this is based on population. It has nothing to do with the people uh, or the amenities that you might find in a particular city. It, this is strictly based, these classifications are based on population only. First-class cities are, have a population of 100,000 people or more. Second-class cities have populations of anywhere from 20,000 people to 99,999 people. Third-class cities have 8,000 people to 19,999 people. Fourth-class cities have populations from 3,000 to 799 people. Fifth-class cities have 1,000 people to 2,999 people. Sixth-class cities have 500 people to 999 people. Seventh-class cities have 250 to 499 people. Eighth class cities have 449, I mean 249 people and below. You might be living in a matter of fact, and I'm going to repeat this several more times. If you look at where these high-profile homicides are happening that hit the national news regional news, that type thing, they primarily happen in first-class cities or towns, whatever you want to call it, places that have a population of 100,000 or more. Homelessness is primarily found, not solely, but primarily found in places that have 100,000 people or more. Problems with the police or run-ins with the police or law enforcement primarily happen in areas where the population has 100,000 people or more. Many people that are homeless that are listening to this podcast right now, more than likely, you're struggling, more than likely you're in a first-class environment, population-wise. 
maybe if you move to a, a third class city, some places got eight thousand people to no more than nineteen thousand people, you would find affordable housing. And you know what? Some of you could be thirty min thirty yeah, let's say thirty one minutes away or an hour away. That's it. You can find affordable housing that's sustainable, and you can find a source of income that's sustainable or start a business that's sustainable just by moving from one classification of city to another. Me, myself, I basically concentrate on areas 7th and 8th class cities. You know, uh, primarily... Cities that have, in the seventh class cities, got populations of 250 to no more than 499. Eighth class cities have 400, no more than 249 people. That's it, and below. Some people that are, that are struggling or living paycheck to paycheck in a first class city environment will prosper if they move to a sixth. Uh, seven to eight class city. So when your housing plan, that's the very first thing, in my opinion, you need to look at. What classification of city are you living in? And then look around um, for cities that are outside of your comfort zone. Mm. And um, where the cost of living is, you know, dramatically cheaper. Now, tomorrow, like I said, we shall have a guest on. We'll be talking about housing plans for the reentry demographic. And reentry could be people out of jail, out of uh, what do you call it, prison. It could be uh, people coming up out of a shelter and you're reentering uh, the private housing market. That's what we'll have on tomorrow. On that note, Um, Everyone have a good rest of the day.